Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so excited to talk to you today, and we're going to talk about a subject that I am sure you all want to know the secrets. Well, I hope there's more than one secret, because I think we need to come up with more than one. <laughs> so Carrie, tell me a little bit about why this is such an important issue and I mean, okay, so first ways let's, that you've had to deal with it. Yeah, let's first let people know what we want to talk about, which is Well, I hiring. thought you could tell a story. Oh, you want me to tell a story? <laughs> um, well, I can tell a story of uh, a center that reached out to me. Um, they're in a small-ish town outside of a major metroplex, and they're having such a hard time hiring new staff to handle the beginning of the school year, you know, enrollment cycle, that they're thinking about closing their elementary school classrooms. They're a Montessori program that has a pre two pre-primary classrooms, a primary classroom, a lower elementary, and an upper elementary. And they're having such a hard time staffing that they're considering closing two classrooms. So staffing is a problem in early childcare <laughs> post-COVID? <laughs> well, it was a problem in Texas pre-COVID also um, for slightly different reasons. Um, so in 2019, uh, we were hearing similar stories from directors, right? We were hearing that they couldn't get anybody uh, to come in for interviews. They would do five phone screenings and maybe get one person to show up in an interview. But frequently, they would have to have 10 <laughs> people that they invited to come in for a, an in-person interview to get one person to actually show up um, because we were at, you know, almost zero unemployment in the state of Texas. And now we're having the same kind of issues, but for a different reason. Like during the height of COVID uh, in 2020, you could hire people because there were so many people being laid off from um, retail jobs and, and food service jobs that were closed because they weren't considered essential <laughs> and childcare was. So we were able to hire people during that only essential people can work time. But since then, we have all these people who found other ways to make their bills so they didn't need to work for somebody. And we're trying to lure those people out from hiding <laughs> and to come back into our centers. I love that, getting them out from hiding. Yeah, so. I mean, they're like, it's like trying to get a cat to come to you. <laughs> it's like you have to wiggle your fingers just right. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about that. So that is a process, right? So when we start talking about staffing, it starts before the interview. It even starts before running any sort of ad. So it starts with knowing what your needs are, uh, both how many hours, what days of the week, and your job descriptions. Yeah, and you... you you know, the reason we decided to talk about this, other than that this seems to be the perennial issue for um, our directors right now, is that you were having this at your new job. You know, you guys were needing to hire some teachers and they had the way they have always staffed it. And you were like, but why do we have to staff it that way? Absolutely. So we traditionally had um, two part-time staff, two part-time educators who worked basically nine to three. And 
we don't always need them and they don't always work nine to three. So sometimes we might need them eight to noon or we might need them nine to four. And so because of the uh, sporadic nature, uh, there are certain populations who this job would not be appealing to. But yet when I discussed the idea of hiring a whole bunch of people <laughs> and basically having it be very flexible where you could work one day a week or three days a week, depending on uh, what our needs are as an organization. And this out of the box thinking on how to staff this program um, got the education department very excited because they often had turnover in this position. This was hardly a position they ever had anybody stay for a whole year. And there were all a variety so of So what were some now, of the possible ways that you thought of to fill this 30-hour-a-week position that they hadn't thought of before? So we are going to be uh, running a slightly different ad, and we're going to actually create a team of 10 educators who are cross-trained in all the curriculum, so not just you know, per area. And we are going to have uh, two methods. One would be that they can give us their availability and we will work to schedule around their availability, as well as looking at our existing programming and giving people the opportunity to uh, take classes that are already scheduled. I was going to say, so back that into what you were saying is the first step is to figure out what you actually need. So what exactly. did you guys so, actually need? Yeah, so we needed um, two educators normally five days a week uh, between the hours of nine and three. And we need them from roughly September to the middle of December and the middle of January through the middle of May. And historically, they just hire this as a year round like position uh, instead of actually looking at it as two semester level positions. Uh, so we've done two things. We've changed it to we are going to hire you from basically right now because of everything going on, basically October to the middle of December. And you're welcome to stay on. And then we'll hire again in January for January through mid-May. And that way it's very clear. This particular um, position is not one that you need in the summer because in the summer you're offering full-time programs. Is that right? No. So in the summer, we actually end up going out and doing things in other programs. So at this time, we don't necessarily need that position. And if we do, again, we might hire that and we might be able to hire high school students um, to help with that um, or brand new graduates who are 18 um, who have been part of our program historically in the past. So we are uh, excited about the opportunity um, to partner with um, um, because we need daytime hours. Uh, we happen to also be in a building with an organization that um, does after-school programming. So we are going to reach out and literally run an ad um, within their staff to see if they have any of their part-time staff who might be interested in picking up a couple of days during the week yep. as part-time staff for us. So I think, so I think that kind of thinking about how to rejigger uh, Maybe that's not the right word, but to rearrange a position that had been a, you know, 30 hour a week position and was two people. And now you're like, it's going to be a team of more than two people and we're not going to have 
the same people all five days, all nine months of the year that we need it. Yeah, I mean, because in where we're located and the the programs that we offer, a lot of times, you know, it would be very would be very good for. Uh, brand new educators or people who are in college who might be in the College of Education or stay-at-home moms who are looking to get back into the uh, workforce or who just want some spending money. And so they want a job that basically works maybe nine to two. And they don't really want to work five days a week. So we are going to be able to have options. Yeah. So you've got lots of different applicant pools in that situation. Now, in a traditional early childhood program, there are some downsides to maybe having 10 people for for those 60 hours a week, right? So you might not want to take a two person, you know, two 30 hour shifts and break it down into 10 people in your traditional classroom. But we have seen programs that are like, okay, we have two classrooms that we're having a hard time fully staffing. We have, so it's a total of four positions. And one of my favorite solutions to that is the hiring five people and everybody works four 10 hour days or four nine hour days. Um, and they all get a th- they all get an extra day off a week. I'm not explaining this one well. Can you explain that version better than what I just did? <laughs> so um, when you start thinking about how to staff early childcare classrooms, school age classrooms, in the in, in an after school program or however, uh, it's worth looking at the days of the week that you need coverage and come up with ways to cover that time. So it doesn't have to be five, eight hour shifts. It can be nine hour shifts, 10 hour shifts. Um, I would never encourage in this industry a 12 hour shift, even though you know most childcare programs are open almost 12 hours. Um, but I wouldn't do that to your staff. Yeah. Well, I mean, nurses and doctors have to do that, but they get paid a little bit differently. Um, yeah, but you but you never know. You might throw it out at your staff. You might have staff who th- who have firefighter spouses or something who might love the idea of working three 12-hour shifts. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. You have to look at what your community is doing and the type of people who are available for you to hire. Uh, I remember one time that I thought was just really interesting, but it worked out really, really well for Carrie. She actually had a staff person who wanted the middle of the day every day off. Um, Her kids were part of the after school program. And so she came in at, what was it, like 10 or 11 and worked for a few hours and then took time off or she opened. I don't remember exactly. What was her shift? Well, I've done it a couple different times, but it's usually they're a mid-morning person. So they come in, you know, eight. 8 30 they work until um nap time starts um or they work until lunch one of those two so sometimes they leave once they get the kids sitting down for lunch and the next person comes in and that person gets kids down for nap and goes from there um so it has to be in a it works best with this schedule in a classroom either an infant classroom or a one day 
one nap a day classroom. <laughs> um, and that teacher is gone for two or three hours in the middle of the day. Um, so they come back at three o'clock and they're there from three to close. And I love that shift. And as a mom, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I was like, I don't know why every mother on our staff is not wanting this shift because you get some time during daylight hours <laughs> to deal with <laughs> your own personal things. And you can have lunch. You can pick your kids up from school and take them home if, you know, and if they're of the age and mentality to be at home by themselves or you can hang out <laughs> by yourself you can get a manicure you can just read a book <laughs> like you can go to the doctor's office without them you can go to the doctor's office dentist's office you know take care of any personal errands but it's also I have to say when I was a mom of to elementary school children, they would have after school activities that needed my presence. So I didn't have mental space or time to myself in the afternoons after work or in the evenings after work because we're going to soccer or track and field or tea coach pitch, not t-ball, coach pitch or dance or theater classes. And so, you know, my kids didn't have all of those at any time, but they usually had one sport and one other extracurricular or two, because frequently it was Girl Scouts, sports and acting or Girl Scouts, sports and choir. And that means I don't have a whole lot of time in the evening to just be Carrie. I had to be, you know, my girl's mother, <laughs> my husband's spouse. I didn't have time to just be me. So I thought it was a brilliant schedule and I think everybody should <laughs> do it when they're, you know, dealing with that kind of shenanigans. But not everybody agrees with me. Other people are like, no, I want to get off at two o'clock, pick up my kids from school and hang out at home with them. <laughs> to which I'm like, more power to you guys. Uh, <laughs> that works for you. <laughs> Because I didn't want to go from working in a classroom to straight into working with my kids. I needed a break. Um, other people are like, I don't want to come to work before 10 o'clock in the morning. Like my dad, <laughs> my dad's teaching position at UT, a little different than early childhood, but he asked the dean when he got hired, what do I have to do to not have any classes before 10 a.m.? And that's how he structured his classes structured his work was around not having to come to work before 10 a.m. And I think people think of all of these, you know, things that their potential staff are asking for as a pain in the neck, but I'd rather look at it as an opportunity to only pay for what I actually need. That's exactly what I was about to say, Carrie, because I think one of the things that we get stuck in as owners, managers, is we try to figure out how to make staffing as simple as possible. And I get, and I totally understand why. However, if you have high turnover or you can't fill positions or people don't seem to be excited to be at work, have the conversations, look at when you need staff. You might find out that you have several people on staff who would love to have a longer day with a break in the middle because most programs are usually overstaffed during nap time. I, I think that's true. And also, I think, so the first place I ever worked was um, a program inside of my high school. And so no shift went past three o'clock. A lot of 
preschools are over at three o'clock. A lot of Mother's Day outs are over at three o'clock, but we had quality program, but only one of the staff people in each classroom was consistent Monday through Friday. All of the assistants rotated in. So we would have different assistants, different days, and the kids were fine. (laughs) And I think that's another thing that we get caught up in is thinking that everybody in the classroom has to be the same every day. And I think the lead teacher has to be consistent. But both of the programs I worked at early on in my career, we had a lot of staff who were the assistants. And it wasn't that there was one assistant in each classroom. Um, I mean, at St. Luke's Infant Care, which is still up and running, um, we used to have everybody worked half days. You worked from open until noon or from or from open till 1230 or from noon to close. Those were the only shifts available. And we had two lead teachers in every classroom, a morning lead teacher and an afternoon lead teacher. And um, we had, uh, I think, 16 assistants total for those four classrooms. So people just rotated in and out based on their schedule when they could work. And it worked. And so did they, were they, did they also rotate what rooms they were in? So were you able to cross-train staff? Yes. Almost everybody was cross-trained. Not all the lead teachers, um, but all of the assistants worked in at least two class. Excuse me, guys. Worked in at least two classrooms. So I think that's really, really important. So being able to have flexible staff, um, a flexible schedule, um, we are finding, and the more we talk to directors and our own personal experiences, um, the current workforce uh, that you would be targeting most likely in your community is going to look for flexibility. And so, again, we are in a situation when we're trying to find staff that we're competing against other businesses that are more flexible or have better benefits or um, something unique that they want. And so if it's more time off, even if it's not paid, if it is a more flexible schedule, um, why should some again, why would somebody want to come work at your center instead of being a favor driver or an Uber driver? What do you have that that job doesn't have? Or or even, you know, Dairy Queen at $15 an hour. I mean, you know, um, if you are having the, the staff you need and not the overage, in other words, um, lunch and, and nap time, most programs are overstaffed that I mentioned. And so if you were able to reduce that, you're then able to increase your hourly wage. So your expenses don't change, but the perception and the value of the job does. So if you're able to eliminate, you know, that that overage of time of, of staff, then you can put it back into the salaries for your staff. Yeah. So um, it, it does take some time being creative. It does mean that you have to kind of be aware of what your numbers are. But if you happen to be a program that has any sort of part time, like Monday, Tuesday, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday type of enrollment, or you have a school age program, this is really something to think about. Well, I think centers become too dependent on full time staff. And I, I know that that's probably flying in in the face of, you know, conventional wisdom, but I preferred having a majority of my staff being part-time until they had worked for me for at least a year. Because if you're a part-timer 
and you're three months in and you're not working out, I can I can replace you much more easily than if you're so interwoven into my program that you're there for 40 hours a week. <laughs> Does that make That's a sense? Yes, I was actually going to say, sometimes life happens too with our staff. And we know that a lot yeah. over the last year and a half. And if you're only replacing a 10 hour or 15 hour staff person versus a 40 hour staff person, it's a lot easier, right? It, the load isn't as heavy on everybody else. If you can replace a 40 hour a week person with two 20 hour a week people, I think it's worth doing. I understand that that means that I've got twice as many people that I have to get through their training, through their orientation, get their annual training. But it also means that I have someone to call when I have a teacher who who's out sick in the afternoon because I can call the morning person and say, hey, is there any chance you could work late today? I can't do that if everybody's full-time because they're already going to be there in the afternoon. It gives you so much more flexibility. And the staffing, the staff training and onboarding, if you do it right, is a way to increase the value of your school. It is not a, a thing to annoy you. <laughs> You know, I think I think that's a wonderful part of your business is the training and onboarding. And the other thing to think about when we start talking about full-time to part-time, you can also take a look at that full-time person who might have an expectation for benefits and you might really only need them to cover 30 hours in a classroom. So you might be able to get rid of a 40-hour-a-week full-time person, change that to two 15-hour-a-week individuals, and be able to pay them more because you're not paying the full-time benefits. Right. And by get rid of, she doesn't mean that we're, we're firing people. We're saying you have <laughs> what you think of as a 40-hour position that you can't staff right now. If you reimagine it, when do you actually need those people to be in the classroom? Um I am a big fan of having extra staff at the very beginning of the day for welcoming parents, etc. So having a second, you know, another person in the administrative team that comes in early and then they go away and then they're your after school person or something like that. I love that. But really in the classroom, I don't need most classrooms to have two people from 7 a.m. until 9.30. In most classrooms, you don't need that. You need to be below your licensing minimums, but you don't need to be fully staffed all morning. You need to be fully staffed once you're going to have your classroom meeting and you're going to be doing any teacher-led activities. But while the children are exploring the classroom and having center time or playing on the playground, combine classrooms on the playground, have two teachers out with the kids from those two, I don't know. Maybe I'm going too far here. Maybe I'm just going too far. <laughs> well, we're hoping that today we were able to at least spark your imagination and how to reimagine these positions. And just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean that's the best way or that there aren't other options. And if you are struggling at all with hiring staff, go take a look at that. We know you and, are. And we know you are, yes. <laughs> 
and again, this is only one part of the hiring process. And we will come back and do other episodes related to the other parts because Carrie writes an awesome job description. <laughs> but the very first part of that is knowing what you have to have and are there different ways to think about it. When do you need to have the most staff in your program? And when do you need to have fewer? And I'm just going to, we're about to sign off, but I just want to go back to talking about that program where everybody worked half days. And I know some people are thinking, yeah, there couldn't have been a quality program if they had, you know, four classrooms and a staff of 24. That's too many staff for four classrooms. We were NAEYC accredited and we got every possible program you could do that recognized excellence. So it could can be a quality program. And we were a really good program. Um, people were on the waiting list for three years and it was a two-year program. So I really want you to seriously, honestly think about looking at your staff scheduling in a different way. Be flexible, be creative. If you need to spitball it, please message Kate and I or Kate or I. You can reach us on Facebook or you can email us at hello at Colorful Clipboard. We'd be happy to help you with this. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.